0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the AI Premier League preview show. Two second half goals from Shakiri saw the Reds overcome Manchester United on Sunday and return to the top of the table sadly marking the end of Josie Mourinho's spell as United boss. With little time to rest in a packed, festive period, Klopside side now face a trip to Molyneux this Friday to take on a resurgent Wolves side. So joining me tonight to discuss Friday's game, we have football writer for Mirror Sport, Alex Richards, and AI tactics writer, Hamza Khalid-Lumat. Welcome, guys. Hey,
0: Harry, how, are you? how are you doing?
1: Not bad, Alex. Yeah, yeah, good to speak with you. Uh, as I was saying there, I mean, the game's come thick and fast throughout this uh Throughout this period, I think it's eight games in total for, for Liverpool in December and just, just have to keep on coming, um, around the new year as well. But, um, yeah, really appreciate you coming on. So we get some insight into, into how Wolves uh, season has gone so far and, uh, also the game on Friday. But, um, just taking a little glance back then and just, uh, uh wanted to get your overall thoughts. I mean, uh, after taking only one point from a possible 15 during a sort of a tough run of results throughout sort of late October, November. Um, you've now three, you have know, three wins on the bounce and it's seen you rise back up to, to seventh in the table as we sort of draw to a close in, in, in 2018. That's also the first time Wolves have actually managed three consecutive, uh, Premier League wins in the club's history. So I just wanted to ask you what you've made of Wolves return to the Premier League so far.
0: No, it's been great. I mean, the, the, the real shame here is that Jose Mourinho has gone, of course, because we ah. were starting to, <laughs> starting to think we got a chance at sixth. Um, but, but no, it's, it's, you know that horrible run of one point in six games is it's what happens to every team outside the top six you know it's at some point in the season you have this big dip and and I think they've answered answered perfectly um with the last three games it It's one of those with wolves coming up there was a lot of expectation because they'd spent a bit of money and they'd done really well last season and and you know they're kind of seen on the outsiders well they've They've got links with George Mendes. You know, Ruben Neves wouldn't have gone to any other team in the championship last year. And it's kind of, right, so how well are they doing? It, it was never that Wolves were going to be in a relegation battle. But I always think that you have to be safe first. Get yourself as, as good a, a position as you possibly can and then build from there. And that's really what Nuno's philosophy has been, that they always have to, have to start from the ground up in every game. And that's how their season has started. They did a really good job in the early months. They've had this little blip, and now they've answered back brilliantly, and they're very well positioned.
1: No, of course, I think it's interesting that there that you mentioned sort of Nuno. Every interview I've always seen with him, he has always appeared a really grounded individual, somebody who's you know, stressed the importance of hard work, and that there's only really one way out of you know, tough runs like the one you'd been on, which is just hard work on the training ground. And, um, you know, hoping that things turn around, of course. Um, but it, it almost seemed as though everybody else was determined to sort of talk to you, talk about you guys in terms of, you mentioned the Hoy There's um, links there as well. And then the, uh, you know, this, uh, t- term coined as well. So the, the best ever promoted side. And it, it never seemed like Nuno really got wrapped up in all that. Um, did Wolves fans really get wrapped up in, in too much of that sort of hype that, that seemed to, um, follow you when you, when you did get promoted as well?
0: I think they were always, you get that section on social media where, you know, every, every loss is the worst thing going and every win's the best thing going. Um, but I think generally it was just um, when they'd come up before, it was always, we're in a battle now. But I think this time it felt different. It felt as though this was the start of something that they can build and, and that it wasn't going to just be a relegation battle. Okay, it might be a difficult season but it was always about getting that platform to build higher. And I think most fans appreciated that, and they appreciate that you will have the difficult bits, but that you don't look too high above your station, so to speak, Um, that you look and you build. And I think that's the way most were looking at it, and that's certainly how Nuno was looking at it. You know, he, he spoke after the game against Bournemouth at the weekend, and he was asked the question of, you know, you're seventh in the league table. Now, will you be looking at the league table? And and his answer was just quizzical. He just turned around and just went, um, I, I didn't look at it in the entirety of last season, so why would I bother now? Um, that's very much the way he is. It, for him, it's all about the process and doing things right will mean that results come. And I think that's a lot of how fans are seeing it now. They're seeing it as the side are doing well, They're they're performing well, they're doing the right things. So eventually... They will finish where they deserve to be. And, and right now, I have to say that that's where they deserve to be. So I, I don't think, in answer to your question, that that a large section got swept up with this best promoted team ever, because quite frankly, that's a nonsense given what others have achieved in the past. Um, but there the was, of course, a section, but the vast majority, it was very much a let's just see how we get on. And hopefully, we will be moving on to bigger and better things eventually in the coming. Years,
1: no, of course. I mean, it, it it did seem to be sort of a narrative that was sort of established outside of actually the club itself, to be honest. I and mean, people seem very sort of keen to to label you as that sort of best ever promoted side. I mean, I mean, just in terms of that sort of difficult run that you've now come through um, towards the end of October uh, and throughout November as well. I mean, just looking at the results, I mean, was it? I mean, I mean, more so than the results. and you mentioned that, sort of every sort of promoted side does go through that period in the season where they. They had that dip. They had that tough run, but was it sort of the fixtures themselves and it's sort all of the opponents? I mean, the loss to Watford, uh, Brighton was it? Um, uh, Huddersfield and Cardiff, those sides where you you'd want to be gaining points against those those sides, um, unlike the fact that you've actually been doing very well against the top six sides um, this season that that we'll come on to talk about. But was it the actual sort of, as well as the losses themselves, it was the sides who you actually were suffering those losses to that was of most concern.
0: I think so, but I I think you also have to look at the way in which they lost. You know, the, the Watford game, they conceded two quick fire goals and, and that was it. That was, that was the game. Two goals in 60 seconds. The rest of the game was, was very much, to be quite frank, not a lot happened. It was rather a dull game. Um, but those two goals, there's three points and Watford walked away and that was that. Um, Huddersfield and Cardiff, of course, both were very disappointing performances. Both, you know, the side didn't perform. Um, Cardiff was actually the first game under Nuno that Wolves had taken the lead and lost, which, it, which is quite a staggering stat. Um, Huddersfield was disappointing, and the Brighton away game was an, another one that has typically this season seen them play quite well. Um, I think of Leicester in the second game of the campaign. They played very well that day as well. But they just couldn't take chances. And you get hit with a sucker punch. Um, you know, against Brighton it was a, a drag shot and Glenn Murray was just in the right place at the right time. And he turns in. But hey, that's how the look goes at times. You know, we had it at the weekend against Bournemouth, first ten minutes, drag shot, and Ralph Jimenez has got a tap in at the far post. Just just how it bounces at times and I think, as you say, it was the fact that you look at those games. And it's Cardiff and Huddersfield who you think will be very much down there at the end of the season, and you're losing to them. So fans are saying, "Well, what's gone wrong there?"
1: No, of course I think yeah. On on, on paper, it's always easy, isn't it, to to look at those games and go, "Was there was there any larger pattern?" But it, it does sound like there, from what you're saying, that it was just you know sort, sort of very specific sort of incidents in, in in those matches themselves. I mean, what have you made of performances just generally so far this season? Then I mean, have, have there been any sort of noticeable changes from uh, from Nuno in terms of the approach you've taken this season as opposed to what you saw last time out?
0: Um, I think the big thing has been how, how counter-attacking they are now. Um, because last season, when, it, when a team finishes top of a championship, I always think that they've got there because they've dominated. They've dominated possession, they've always been the most attacking team. Um, but Wolves last season could do quite a mixture if they needed to dominate the ball they would if they needed to sit back and defend and play on the counter they would so they, they were very adaptable um, and I think that stood them in good stead this season because you know you're playing bare quality opposition so you're not going to have as much of the ball and that counter attacking side of your game really has to be um, improved I, I look at Fulham now they're having so much problem um, not being able to dominate the ball in matches and not being clinical. Last season, they weren't particularly clinical, but they created more chances. This season, they don't dominate the ball like they did last. So those chances, you know, they lessen. And the defensive weaknesses remain. Wolves defensively were outstanding last season and they've been very good this year. Um, So I think that has stood them in good stead. And the counter-attacking side of their play, really, against the likes of, you know, Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal in those games... It's really come to the fore that they are very well organised, very well set up, and then when teams give them an inch in which they can go and attack at pace, they really take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, no, I see what you mean there. I think I, I think you, you you do certainly see that among some some newly promoted sides, and that they do sometimes t- tend to have one main style of playing and then struggle to adapt when they are sort of posed different questions, but. Um, I think one thing you touched upon earlier on, and I think it is, is largely responsible for some of the hype that you guys were associated with when you came into, uh, came back into the league, um, earlier this season, of course, is some of the signings you made, that, that Mendez link that you mentioned as well. So you mean, you know, names like Adam Attare, Rui Patricio, uh, you know, Yamutinio, uh, uh, even Ruben Neves, of course, who we saw sort of light up the championship at times last season, um, these sorts of players, even, uh, Diego Joda as well from Atletico Madrid, um, players that I guess previously you, you wouldn't have associated actually wanting to join a newly, a newly promoted side, even, even a side that won't, you know, actually wins the championship and, uh, wins it at a canter as you guys did. Um, I just wanted to ask you what, what you've made of those, um, of those summer signings, but then also who have been the key performers for you so far this season? Obviously the names like Matinho and Neves, um, are ones that are always going to stand out when you sort of, Watching match of the day to so the highlights of Wolves, but uh, who have the key performers been for you this far this, uh, so far this season?
0: Yeah, well, as you, as you say, Mutino and Neves are, you know, any, any other side getting promoted, you wouldn't expect to see that duo playing for them. Um, they've both adapted their games this season. They're both sitting in midfield. Neves is getting through an astronomical amount of defensive work, which last season he didn't need to. This year he's adapted to it. Martinho's a class act. You know, the little touches, the little ways he keeps play, he's he's outstanding. Um, it's it's a shame he's 32 and not 24. Um, if you're looking away from those two, you, Raul Jimenez up front. He's got five goals and five assists so far. He's ploughed that lone furrow as a striker on his own at times. Recently, he's had to play on the right, and he's, he's adapted and he's done very well. Um, I also think that a couple of the players that really Nuno has come in and made better. Matt Doherty at right wing back. He's been excellent going forward and defensively. Connor Cody now playing at the heart of the back three. You know when he when he originally was signed, he was a box to box midfielder, and he he never really fit, and he didn't really have a role at the club. Um, under Paul Lambert, he was playing at right back a lot, and he he looked a, a square peg in a round hole. As soon as Nuno arrived, he he put him at the heart of the back three, and his leadership qualities. You know he he plays ninety minutes and he doesn't shut up the entire thing he's always talking always uh, cajoling those around him he's been absolutely brilliant in that role for the last 18 months and long may it continue Um, and also I think Jota now he had a difficult start to the season you know he he did really well last year scored 17 goals but his first couple of months in the Premier League he found it difficult he's just got back to form recently and now unfortunately he's picked up a hamstring injury Um, but hopefully in the new year We'll see him, and he'll be firing again. So there's a lot for Wolves fans to be positive about right now.
1: No, yeah, I think I, I think you're right there. And I, I, I mean, when you're talking about Neves, uh I, I think it's. I mean, I think everyone sort of was aware of his talents on the ball, but I think what you were highlighting there in terms of the amount of defensive work he's getting through, I think that was one thing that surprised me a little bit. I was just wondering whether uh, how he would adapt to that sort of uh, intensity, but it it sounds as though from what you're saying that he is. Uh, He's up to the challenge there as well. Um, I mean, one player who I think it's—I mean, he's obviously a... Um, he, he was the most expensive signing he brought in this summer in terms of Adama, uh, Adama Traore, and everyone knows what he can bring in terms of the the sheer pace that he has and the ability to, sort of, I guess, impact the game off the bench, if you will, even late on against sides. Is that really how Nuno's used him so far this season, or have you been slightly
0: disappointed in terms of the impact he's made? It's been a difficult, um, adaptation period for him, I think. Um, you see that you see the players and you talk to the players and, and they're all very much enjoying it and he's enjoying it with them. I think that has to be made clear. Um, but it's, it's difficult for him. Um, his best spell under Tony Purvis at Middlesbrough. Many games he would play 45 minutes on the, the right wing and 45 minutes on the left wing. Basically, so he was playing up and down the touchline in front of Tony Pulis. And Tony Pulis was in his ear. All game. Um, Nuno has tried to use him on the wing. He's also tried to use him as a centre forward. Um, It's not quite worked yet. I I don't think he's fully adapted to the methods of the way Wolves want to play. Um, they're They're very structured as a side. And you can tell when somebody hasn't quite learned that structure. And, and right now, I think that's the boat he fits in. He hasn't quite learned what his manager wants, what what is required of him. Um, but there are there are always those moments in games with him where he just gets the ball and he, he he's lightning in a bottle. He just runs at a defender and just streaks past him, and he makes things happen. He causes havoc in opposing defenses. If they can get him to do that. For an entire 90 minutes then they've got some player there but at the moment it's happening in fits and starts and I, I don't think he's fully trusted just yet No
1: certainly I think definitely a threat on the counter I, I remember when we were dealing with Middlesbrough um, a while ago now actually, just dealing with the qualities that he has I mean just, those, just that natural ability to run at players it's It just skips past players So, and, and so it's difficult it's, to deal it's with like,
0: yeah. like, It's like they don't know what to do with him at all I remember uh, Man City for the start of the season Benjamin Mendy, he he must have fronted Mendy up on the halfway line. And, and he didn't beat Mendy, but he took him all the way back to the edge of his penalty area because Mendy just kept dropping off and dropping off and dropping off and just allowed him to get across him. He's a frightening proposition for a fullback, but I, I sometimes think he doesn't realise what it is that makes him frightening. When he does that, he's, he's potentially a world-beater.
1: No, for sure. I, th- I think it would be, be very interesting to see how, how he develops. And I think you mentioned there as well in terms of Nuno hopefully getting him in, getting in his ear and sort of you know, really conveying to him exactly what his methods are and what he expects of him. It would definitely be interesting to watch that. I mean, you mentioned Jimenez there as well, five assists and five goals since he's arrived in the summer. Um, obviously, you have the ability to turn that deal into a permanent one, should you wish. Um, I mean, would you expect that to be how things go with him or or is it still very much in terms of he, he has to maintain this sort of level that he's been showing recently um throughout the remainder of
0: the season? I think it'll be something that he needs to maintain. Um, the latest coming from that is he's said that he's looking forward to staying potentially, but he's aware that the club, you know, they want to take their time. He's, he's OK with taking his time. I think they'll try and drive a bargain, if I'm being honest. They've got, they've got a figure in mind that they want to pay, which I think they've always had with players. And I, I don't think that, you know, if, if he doesn't achieve what they want him to achieve, I don't think they'll pay it. I think if he continues his early season form in the second half of the season, then they would be foolish not to because he's brought so much to the team in his link play, in the way he can hold the ball, in the way he runs channels. He's been a terrific all-round addition. But I think they're very shrewd businessmen in charge of Wolves right now. And I think they see that if they can get as much value for money as possible, then that's what they'll try and do. Yeah,
1: try and ratchet that down from 34 million. I thought, I think I saw was the quoted price, but yeah, as you mentioned, they're trying to try and drive the bargain if possible as well. I mean, I mean, one thing I saw uh, recently as well, especially in that sort of, sort of match reviews of the Bournemouth game as well was that, uh, Wolves have sort of started to play without a sort of defined striker with the false nine, if you will, obviously. Um, 343 has been sort of played throughout the season for the majority of it, but Jimenez had been the main striker, hadn't he, for a while, but now seems to move out into a wide role. Um, and I saw, um, the introduction of Gibbs White into the team as well in that false nine role. I mean, did you, did you want to talk a little bit as
0: to the impact he's had recently? Yeah, he, he's been terrific. Um, for For an eighteen year old to be given the responsibility he was given in that chelsea game um when you know they've they've just lost five out of six and the questions being asked and and the big question was, does the manager have a plan b for when these times get difficult and his plan b was to effectively to play gibbs white as his as the focal point of attack and the young kid has has done absolutely terrific his his movement his his energy. His, his quality on the ball, you know, to to take it under pressure. And, and this is a, a young man who is he's looking at players like Jean Moutinho and he's saying to give me the ball. You know, at times there's a man on, on his shoulder. He, he doesn't care. He, he Give me the ball, they give it him, and then he deals with it. He's got the technique and the talent to do so. And he's been a real breath of fresh air. His quality in terms of taking it in deep positions and driving driving them forwards. I think it's something that Nuno had thought Traore could do. And I think he's seen Gibbs White really excel at it. And now he's making himself a mainstay in the team. Um, As you say, Jimenez has had to move into a wider role to accommodate him. But I think it's it's worked in terms of making the team that little bit more compact and that little bit more solid. Um, Against Bournemouth at the weekend, Nathan Ake spent most of the game not marking anyone. He'd got 20 yards of space. But it didn't matter. Because when he had the ball, all he could see was gold shirts in front of him, and, and he had to try and pick a pass through that and I think it gives has done outstandingly well. He's a very bright young man, he's a very talented young man, and I think he, if he keeps progressing and keeps learning, he'll have a very, very bright future. Hmm. You mentioned sort of
1: last season sort of no, noticing sort of the ad, the adaptability of the side and terms having different ways to win games and things like that, and obviously. Um, you just mentioned there sort of gives White answered the question for uh, people who were sort of criticizing Nuno you know, as as to whether he did have a Plan B. Um, had you seen any of Gibbs White prior to this uh, last season? Was he much of a fixture for, for you guys last season, or has he really emerged out of nowhere um, this season just to fulfil this role?
0: Um, his debut came under Paul Lambert. He, he got the nod in an FA Cup game at Stoke, came off the bench and did quite well, but we didn't see much of him in that season. Um, last year he was, he was very much a fixture on the substitutes bench, but he was getting 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. And as the season progressed, he was getting that little bit extra, but we never really saw him in this role. It was always as a central midfielder or, or out wide. Um, so this new role for him has been a little bit of a surprise, um, but he's got such talent. He's been playing for England under-19s as well in that central midfield role. He played for the under-17s in their World Cup win last year, playing from a wide position. He's very talented and he can play across the, across the field. I think you could put him in any position except perhaps in goal and he'd do you a job. Um, hopefully, you know, it depends how you look at it from now, you know he he could have a career where he becomes a jack of all trades and and people want him because he's versatile or he could really nail down a position now and it's interesting to see how he'll develop in that respect. Will he become a player that you know managers look at as a very good twelfth man to have because he can fill in everywhere, or does he really focus on becoming a top top player in one position
1: yeah, as you mentioned he's He's young enough there to be moulded into a variety of roles, I guess. Or, as you mentioned, could be that jack-of-all-trades. Um, just depending on what he excels at, I guess. But, uh, I mean, one thing I wanted to focus on before we sort of get into sort of talking a little bit about the game this Friday is um, obviously you had draws with City, Arsenal and United this season. Um, a narrow loss to Spurs and and then that, that, uh, that win over Chelsea. So well, I,
0: back... I, I get the narrow loss to Spurs bit, but it... it... Was it a battery? It, it, it wasn't. It, Spurs were three 0 up and they were comfortable, oh. and then and then it was that kind of thing. Okay, but I wouldn't yeah. really have that in the same respects, to be fair.
1: Yeah, sorry about that. I, I was trying to paint that even, no, 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 it's, even. It's fair. <laughs> um, but at least on paper, anyway, in terms of the results against the top side so far this season, um, it seems to have been sort of. Fairly encouraging there, especially as sort of that early draw against City. I think I think a lot was made of that. If if, if Nuno tried to play it down, of course, um, um, United we could probably talk about sort of what they are this season. To be really honest, and I think you're you're going to be much more of a test for us this Friday than I think United ultimately were. <laughs> um, to be honest, because you, you seem like a far more organised side that at least knows exactly what you're about. Um, and Arsenal, yeah, I think we we just happened to come up against them when they were. In in the midst of their resurgence, which is which 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 was fun, of course. But um, in terms of how you performed against those sides so far this season, I mean, I mean, what does that tell you about sort of um, uh, Wolves this season? Uh, Is there something about those encounters that you um,
0: that you relish? Um, I I think the one thing it tells me is that we are a a good football team. You know, we we aren't looking at Champions League players here, or we aren't talking about a team that's got, you know, players who can really turn a game on a head. But it's a it's a team of eleven players who are coming together and really doing well for one another. Um and I think that's been the big part of all of those fixtures. Um you look at the city game at the start of season, you, you play City, you know you're not going to see see a lot of the ball. So you have to be so supremely organised. In that game they were they played for effectively the odd counter attack and set pieces and they come away with a one or draw. Great point. Um, Manchester United away for the first 15, 20 minutes. They should have taken the lead. They were much the better team and they, sh- they had chances. They fell behind to, you know, a lovely touch from Paul Pogger and a good hit from Fred from the edge of the box. And then they did so well fighting their way back into the game. And trying to force the issue, and and that was a, another good point. Arsenal away was a, a similar affair, where they a similar affair to both, to be to be quite frank, in that they took an early lead and defended very resolutely and very well. Eventually conceded, and it was one-one. And then they they really got um, a second wind, and they were unlucky not to win. So they've taken bits and pieces from each of those games. And then in the Chelsea game, as as I said earlier, it's the first time under Nuno that they have come from behind to win. And you know the first half there was a very difficult game. Chelsea, as they do, they keep the ball, they work the full width of the pitch, but they didn't create all that much apart from a, a deflected own goal to get the lead. And then in the second half, when when Wolves a couple of counter attacks put Chelsea on notice that, hey, we, we've got to be tight together, and they didn't learn from it. And then the next one was a goal, and Jimenez fired through. Kepper probably should have done, done better, but Stryker did well to get his shot away and hit the target and got his reward. And then they got a, a winner moments later. And from that point on, Chelsea didn't have many chances. Um, so it's a thing that, as with a lot of Wolves games, if they go ahead, they are so difficult to pin back because they're so well-organised and they are very good at keeping opponents at arm's length. If they go behind, as they did against Spurs, it, it can be a bit of a problem for them still. Um I think there are only two games, really, where Nuno has really changed them in his entire spell at Molyneux, Bristol City away and Chelsea at home, where they've gone behind and then you you thought they're going to be beaten again. But they come back to win. Um so, very much this game on Friday, is for me, you know, if if Wolves get the first goal, it's a difficult night for Liverpool. If Liverpool score first, I would think they could run away with it. Well,
1: that's, uh, I mean, that, that sounds simple enough, then, doesn't it? <laughs> go, go, <laughs> go try and score first. But, I mean, then, based on those performances there, as you mentioned, then, I mean, how would you expect, you know, to approach Friday's game, then, I mean... I think so sort of last season, Liverpool. I guess you, we were far easier to predict in terms of how we typically went went about winning games. You know, being a, a largely counter-attacking side, you know, f- focusing on the counter-pressing heavily, and um, still having some frailties in defence that meant that you you didn't really have the ability to try and you know, go one 0 up and sit in if we if we needed to, for example, um, or, or or just find different ways to win. I think obviously so far this season. That's one thing we've seen which has been so so pleasing is that is that there's that we now have multiple ways of winning winning a game, which has been a, a difference for Liverpool sides in recent years. But um yeah, I mean how, how do you expect Nuno to to approach this, um knowing what you know as well about sort of um the threats that Liverpool have?
0: I I would think it will be very much um the way the Bournemouth and the Chelsea games were. Um I I would think it as always it will be three at the back. It will be the wing-backs and, and Neves and Moutinho sitting in midfield. And right now, given how the, the Gibbs-White situation with him doing so well in this false nine role has been, I, w- I would expect he will start, Jimenez will play from the right again. And the question if, with Diogo Jota injured is who will play from the left. Um, I would think it will likely be Helda Costa. So the formation in that respect won't change that much. It will very much be the 3-4-3, or as I'd like to see it now, it's effectively a 3 4 because there's no one up front. They come back, Gibbs-White will get around whoever the holding midfielder is, and I think the, the two players that will have most of the ball on Friday night will be Virgil van Dijk and Dejan Lovren, and it will be about how Liverpool can start attacks from those positions, um, which which you obviously see more of Liverpool than I do, but for me, this season they've been far better at starting attacks from deep and, and having that little bit extra composure to their play.
1: No, yeah, there's there certainly seemed to be, to be more patience about Liverpool this season. Um, actually, I th- I personally think that that United game was probably the first time I have actually seen there being impatience from this Liverpool side, just based on on the number of shots we ended up having. That that wasn't really solely an indication of the fact that we were battering them in the first half or whatever. It actually was more of an indication. There, was,
0: there that we, were of distance in the second, even the second half, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, and, and I, I saw people sort of label it as desperation. It, 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 it certainly wasn't that. It was, I think it was just impatience that sort of you know knowledge that we should be beating these guys. And um, and we weren't. And um in the end, of course, those shots from distance, uh, a little bit closer in um you know, through deflections as you saw Sora's run away with the game, but um, yeah, it, it, it does certainly seem like Liverpool have been far more patient um, this season. I mean, one thing I wanted to um, ask you as well is you, you mentioned Neves, they're getting through a lot more defensive work this season. Um, Moutinho, of course, a little bit older now as well. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering from, from a Liverpool perspective, um, knowing sort of the. The intensity of the approach um, that Klopp likes to bring to these sorts of games. I mean, how, how press resistant do you think those two would be if, it, if they came under concerted pressure from, you know, the likes of uh, like Ginny or Fabinho or
0: um, Keita? um I think it'd be interesting because seeing Liverpool lately, Salah has been playing as a centre forward a little bit, and Firmino in behind. Mm. And I think if that's the way that Jurgen Klopp goes, then I think that makes their jobs more difficult just by having Firmino in that area. Um, they're usually very good at dropping dropping deep and getting the ball and, and having the little pockets of space to play in before they come into contact with an opposing midfield. Um, it's when they are pressed. We saw against Watford and we saw against Huddersfield when they have someone in their face very quickly, if they're not allowed to build attacks, then that that becomes a big problem for Wolves. So I would say if Liverpool are pushing men right up against them on Friday night, that is a big chance of how Liverpool will get joy because you can pressure them into mistakes. They both have outstanding quality, but that outstanding quality as at all levels, if you give it time, it will shine. If you don't give it time, it doesn't. Shine as much, or it can really be a struggle, and that's what will be a struggle for Wolves if they if those two aren't dictating the game and aren't able to get their passes out of the back and into the front, then Wolves will have a big difficulty not just getting out of their own half, but creating chances themselves, and it'll allow Liverpool to really come onto them.
1: Yeah, I imagine that'll be sort of a key area, focus, sort of key battle for um, for the side on Friday as well. But uh, I mean. Just before I get your thoughts on a prediction itself, I'll try and put you on the spot there as well. Um, I just want to ask you, sort of, uh, trying to get sort of rival fans' opinions of, of of how you think Liverpool have been doing this season. It's, it's just interesting to hear people's different perspectives on it from the outside in. Um, and if there's any player in particular that you sort of particularly not looking forward to uh, de- dealing with this Friday, or is it just sort of the usual names that crop up?
0: I, I mean, it's always the usual names, isn't it? Um, you know. Uh the one in particular that does frighten me in, in as much of the position he plays is Sadio Mane. Because I I feel that when he really is on top of his game, he's unplayable. And his the where he will be playing in that in that left side channel, I assume, if he is there, is perhaps where we're weakest defensively. You know, Ryan Bennett and Matt Doherty down that side, they're both solid pros, they're both very good and I've been so impressed with the pair of them this season. I think that is Wolves' weak point, that inside left channel. So if Mane plays there rather than the right side, then I would I would think that will be such a a big problem for Wolves on the night. So hopefully he will play from the right again. But still, him he's an outstanding player, so much quality, so much pace. And then of course, you know, Firmino, brilliant, whatever he does, and Salah, such a goal threat. Yeah, I think Mane actually will
1: actually probably. Re- probably revert to the left side actually just just purely based because I think a large part of the reasoning that he was on the right it's it seemed to be anyway was that I mean Klein had sort of come back come out of retirement to play to play a football game and um we tried to make it as sort of familiar to him as possible I guess so by putting money on his side which is what he was used to last time he played um yeah. it, it seemed to be sort of specially for for that game where I think and I'm not entirely sure here because I'm, I'm still not sure why Klein has been so frozen out. I think he's a pretty reliable defender, to be honest. Um,
0: I, he's, had, he's had a few injuries, hasn't he? he? He,
1: he, did have a very bad injury sort of, um, the, uh, throughout last season, to be honest, but he's, he's been fit for a while now is what I, I was under the impression. I, I, it did seem to be very mysterious that he's played about, what, two games or two or three games in best part of the season and a half. So uh, a little bit of mystery around sort of why he's, not played as much but yeah I, I think we were all very impressed about how he managed to come back in and actually play to the level he did against united but i, I would imagine Milner's going to come back in um and, and maybe maybe do a job at right back just while we wait for wait for trent to get back i think he's he, he should be back um after the wolves game so I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure there but yeah i think that could mean mane's back to the left so yeah i think that's going to be that's going to be an interesting battle to watch then as well if, if that's where you mentioned there's there's a particular weakness. Um, all right then, j- j- just to put you on the spot then, Alex. I mean, I mean, w- w- what would you go then for uh, a prediction for for Friday's game?
0: I mean, looking at it on paper, then you know, having seen the way Wolves have done against the the so-called bigger teams this season, they're very much not out of it. But I, I do think that at, at this moment in time, Liverpool are playing such such not necessarily great, outstanding football at times, but winning football. They, they know how to win right now. And and they look confident in every game they go into that, that they can win it. I just think that that first goal is going to be so, so important. That if Liverpool get it and it comes early, then it will make their night so much easier. If they have to wait their turn and they have to bide their time, it'll be a difficult night for them. But I do think they've got the quality to get over the line. Unfortunately for Wolves, um, if I had to go, I'd, I'd I'd say it will be tight. I think you know one or one or one nil, two one, two nil, something around that. Um, but it'll be a very tight encounter for a long period of the game. I would I would expect.
1: Yeah, one of those scorelines that I think Liverpool fans used to have a huge amount of anxiety about last season because we just didn't think we were possible, uh, actually able to. To get them because, because our defense never used to be good enough for us to sort of ride out on a 1-0 or, or even a 2-0. So yeah, I, I, I'm actually anticipating a very tight game, um, just based on sort of the, the games I've seen of yours so far this season as well. But, um, anyway, Alex, thanks so much for all that insight there on Wolves. I think, I think it's been, it's been really, really interesting to see sort of how you guys are taken to your return to the Premier League and, um, obviously wish you all the, all the best for the, for the remainder of the season. J- just before you go, I just want, just want to ask you if, if you had anything that you'd like to, uh, I had to plug.
0: Uh, no, mate, absolutely nothing. Um, everything's okay. You've seen me on Twitter and whatnot, so it's been great to chat.
1: Absolutely. All right then, thanks so much, Alex. Uh, we'll be speaking to uh, to Hamza on all things Liverpool. Bringing in Hamza to, to to talk about Liverpool, of course. Um, so yeah, positive week for the Reds. Big another big week. Uh, two more big wins. Uh, the Napoli victory, of course, and then. Sunday's uh, uh, win over United at Anfield. I mean, it's, it's, it's felt like absolutely ages since we've given United a proper beating. And uh, uh, thanks to Shakiri's two deflected goals in front of the Kop, it's saw his return to the summer of the Premier League on Sunday, um, you know, taking over Man City, who temporarily occupied that sort of top spot, of course, as Sky Sports are keen to are keen to remind us. Um, unfortunately, also provided the final nail in the coffin for, for Jose Mourinho's spell at Manchester United. Um, which we'll, we'll we'll come on to talk about, but first and foremost, Hamza. I mean, what what were your thoughts on that uh, uh,
2: win over United? Your overall thoughts on it? Yeah, it was huge. Um, usually, well, you, you think of where we've been this season. We've been absolutely phenomenal, right? And then United are always at sparring the works, no matter how well we're playing or how poorly they're playing. They always have that ability to just throw up that odd result, and that just mm. gets in the way of us. And I could I couldn't shake the, the those pretty much nerves. Um, and uh, almost for good reason because uh, when we conceded that goal out of absolutely nothing, you think, oh my goodness me, the, this typical Mourinho, typical United thing has happened again and again and uh, w- we're going to pay for it. But um I think it really shows the mettle of the team actually that despite this this uh, unexpected adversity, this adversity that we faced which wasn't deserved by United uh, in, in the form of the goal, uh, we pulled through competently. We still displayed uh, confidence on the ball, maturity on the ball, intelligence. We outplayed Manchester United uh, in a way that is really, really uplifting as a fan to watch. That is genuinely exactly what you want to see when you play against your biggest ro- rivals. That was absolutely perfect. There's no better feeling than that.
1: No, of course. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, as I said myself, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a while. It, it's, it's felt like ages since we've actually managed to beat United, especially Mourinho. I, I think I saw a stat, something like that. It, it was our first win over um a side a Mourinho side in the league uh, since 2007 i think it was at anfield which is kind of staggering if that was actually if that actually was valid or not but um i mean yeah as you mentioned he he's always been very adept at uh, despite maybe not being able to string string together a sort of a run of performances a, a run of results in recent years as he as he seems to be on the decline um just those one off games that we know he's good at sort of putting the roadblock up and as as you say after that first 20 minutes where we absolutely pummeled them uh, but didn't get the goal necessarily immediately I was a little bit worried and yeah you, you mentioned it yourself that scabby goal from Lingard of course with Allison making the error after a, a whole week's worth of sort of you know crazy praise for him even though he has been brilliant so far this season it did feel like it was a uh, one of those days again, but uh, as you mentioned, yeah, I think we, we, we've seen a, a newfound patience from uh, from Liverpool this season. If uh, I just want to ask you on that, I mean, I, I felt this game actually, despite what I guess the prevailing narrative is about us this season, I felt this game actually w- did showcase us probably being a little bit more impatient than we've ever seen so far this season, just because I, I reckon we
2: we knew we should be being this lot. Um. I think we saw that in parts of the second half. I definitely agree there. But I think what we saw in the first half was we were a lot more patient and a lot more probing. And if we think back to a few... I accept that, yes, we definitely felt the need to, to attack. We definitely we felt it was incumbent on, upon us to win the match. Mm. But if we think back to games against low blocks, say, I think that was a Burnley one at Anfield uh, two seasons ago. And I remember the game because Emery Chan was just taking pot shots from outside the area. And that's not what you want to do. Uh, when you're trying to break down a team uh, that is sitting in that low block and you're trying to pressure them into mistakes. In the first half, that first 30 minutes, we pre- we pressed them phenomenally well. Uh, we worked space really well. The goal was really, really worked well. That, that's something that you see a Man City do. Uh, usually, Fernandinho will pick the ball up and play a diagonal cross in behind. And one of the wingers, usually Sterling, will will, will come in and score. And I think that was... We were really patient. We We were intelligent in that first 30 minutes but I, I do accept once we conceded the goal there was a certain nervousness yeah we need to try and force it we need to try and score but in, in some senses that that's good that they didn't go into that sort of passive thing where the midfield uh, moves the ball around side to side uh, and tries to look for some openings but aren't really that uh, aggressive or risky you want to see that risk uh, risk taking on the ball that's why we have Shigiri that's why Fabinho and kater's inclusion was so uh, so influential I think so I think that's actually a good thing even though we did probably take a few too many pot shots from the, the 45th minute to uh, the 65th uh, that's okay uh, I think it's it's showing that the team is developing and it's finding new ways to work through different challenges
1: no certainly I think yes yeah, it's, it's, it's it's one thing I was speaking with Alex about in, in in the first part of the pod of course is Liverpool being far more adaptable this season finding new ways to win Um of course, in this game the the new way we we found to win, of course was Shakiri coming off the bench uh he'd mentioned in the, in the post match interviews that he was sat on the bench there were looking at these pockets of space and thinking i, I can get into those that I can take advantage of those sure enough, he comes onto the pitch uh, very very busy cameo from him um you know, two deflected goals you know, brilliant needle there of course as well in terms of the celebration everything about it um you know Gary Neville having to commentate on it as well it's, uh, after sort of earlier in the season sort of criticising him, having to wear his shirt, etc. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. I mean, uh, to, to the Shakiri, then, complete bargain to the £13 million from Stoke really showcased his worth so far this season. He's becoming a, almost a, a little bit of a cult figure this far, um, so far this season, isn't
2: he? Yeah, definitely so. I mean, when you pick up a player for that much and they, and we know he has Champions League experience, we know he has Championship winning experience uh, in the Bundesliga uh, we know he has international quality. I think he saw that bicycle kick at the oh, Euros or yeah. World Cup. I can't, I can't remember which one, but it is a really big goal. And um, when, he, when you've got the to do, for a player to do something like that, of course they're going to pick up fans. And the way that our fans are at the moment, if you're just doing any, any little bit of magic, like that elastico that he did uh, in the corner against Ashley Young, that, so, yeah. stuff like that, it, it just... That's how you, you get fans to warm to you, and he's definitely going to become a cult figure. Two goals against Manchester United—I mean, that—that's it. You, you're immortalized, right, in in ample folklore for winning the game. But um, what what it really shows, though, is that now our squad has real strength. I remember there was an, an article in the FT a year and a half ago by uh, John Byrne Murdoch, and he spoke about why teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich are able to compete in the Champions League. To later rounds because the, the competition within the their domestic leagues is easier so they don't so their squads don't need to be as big as ours do as in the Premier League teams. As, so to compete in the Premier League and the Champions League you need a massive squad with quality throughout it. And this is what we're building towards now. When you have Shakiri on the bench when you can bring on a player like that who's not just able to play on the left wing but on the right wing as a 10 or in a deeper role as we saw in the midfield uh, in the United game, that's absolutely huge. And he's got that game intelligence. He, he mentioned he was on the bench and he saw, I, I see the spaces. That's what he said. I saw the areas that were just outside the box. So when it came to our second goal, he just held his run. Everyone ran into the box. The ball was loose on the edge of the box, or moving towards the edge of the box. And that's where he, he ran in and scored. Having players with that sort of quality, that intelligence, you can't get that, uh, get that everywhere. And we should be grateful that we do have that. And we have this in abundance now throughout the squad.
1: Yeah, no, of course. I think I, I think as well. His uh, even from sort of the immediate sort of his arrival at the club as well. That gift, that pointing gift that he did on his a uh, on his first day in Melwood as well. I think, I think I think that's been one of the most uh, frequently used uh, sort of gifts I've seen across Twitter all all season, even uh, by fans across the league, not just sort of Liverpool fans. So yeah, he you you can tell that there's a strong character about him there as well. So I think he's. He's been very keen to to showcase that, you know, despite going to Stoke and having to, you know, I, I guess, uh, toilet a little bit. I mean, this is a guy with sort of real experience in those big moments and uh, you know, at the highest level. He he really does have great vision as well. But um, I mean, to touch on on United for a second, there, Hamza. I mean, I thought that you saw. I mean, as you have seen throughout the entirety of the season, I guess so far. Um, and you mentioned as well. I mean. These sorts of games have been a little bit nerve-wracking for Liverpool fans in in recent years, just because we have had that sort of weird, uh, dodgy record against Man United. It's, it's always been tough to uh, try and beat them. I, I remember Van Hal sort of doing the double over as a, I just could not, uh, couldn't believe that actually happened in the end. But um, yeah, actually, what we saw was that this United side, as we should have known, I guess, are a long, long way behind us in terms of how they're performing this season. Uh, really do look, look like a mid-table side. Um, full of strangers, really. Uh, of course, we also saw um, today that you know, Jose Mourinho has been sacked by Manchester United. Um, I think it's uh, Carrick will um, take training for a couple of days, and then then they're likely going to appoint uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um in an interim role before you know, towards the end of the season. I mean, what what did you make of United um, on the day itself? And uh, I mean, um,
2: just a brief thoughts there on the on the loss of uh, of Jose? Um, I think United, when we played them, they were... Usually if you come to Anfield and you want a result, you you can be negative, you can be defensive, but I think they're actually too defensive. So if you look at a game like Brighton, they played with that 4-5-1 and that mid-block really causes problems. Our midfield really couldn't get on the ball. Uh, well, when they did get on the ball, they weren't able to play through into our forwards. Our forwards, although they, they stood against the uh, United defence, uh, if one of them dropped off, as Firmino and Mane did, they were afforded space, were able to play. I think on a fundamental level, they got their tactics wrong and they underestimated a few players of us. They probably expected Henderson to play, and then Fabinho came in. And not many people, well, it appears, not many people, uh, are aware of his on-ball abilities. And he was able to dictate the game. He controlled it. Wayne was phenomenal. And I, I just think um, the way that they played just showed a, a mentality which. Um, isn't befitting of a big club when you go away to your rivals. Uh, it's okay going for a result, going for a draw. That, that if you if you say, "All right, we get a draw at Old Trafford in most seasons," okay, fair. I'll, I'll take that. That's a good result. But playing in the manner that they did uh, is not befitting of the club, and I think that 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 tells you that um, some of the players there aren't good enough for Manchester United, but also that what Jose Mourinho's direction was at that time. Uh, was also not right for Manchester United. So I think it's the, the right decision uh, in this moment. But the, the things that led to that, um, when it comes to Mourinho not being backed in the um, the summer transfer window, uh, are issues that Manchester United as a club and fans are going to have to look at and say, this is something that they need to address. But uh, with regards to us, um, it doesn't really matter who's Manchester United manager right now. They could have any manager in the world they put their their first strength their, their full strength team out there so going to get battered by us we're that good at the moment and i think we should we should enjoy that moment be uh, enjoy this moment because we're so much better than them
1: hmm. and one player i thought who has, obviously i think he really established himself um, even further on sunday with the performance that he put in you mentioned that beautiful pass that he he played through to mané for the for the opening goal is is fabinho of course um it's taken him a bit of time to establish his way or work his way into this midfield in the Premier League uh, but now it does seem that he is uh, becoming an ever sort of a ever more permanent fixture in that midfield setup uh, alongside Cater who's coming in next to him as well um, what have you made of Fabinho in that role in, in recent weeks I mean it's, lo and behold it seems that the more games he's had there the uh, the better he's performed.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think in his, his first few games, we could see that off the ball, he was absolutely phenomenal. Pressing monster. Winning uh, duels aerially. Uh, uh, playing balls. Uh, and, and not Sorry, not playing balls. Um, but being able to recover balls. Uh, make, making supporting runs. That sort of thing in midfield is exactly what you want to see in terms of off-ball performance. And then in the Red Star game, I think the first game, he was fantastic at home. But then we saw against Arsenal, he struggled on ball, which is to be expected when you've only played one Champions League game uh, at home against a team like Red Star. uh, And then you're put into a really high-paced, competitive Premier League game against Arsenal. But it's taken a a few weeks. uh, And now he's got up to speed. He really, really looks good, both on ball and off ball now. He looks like a rounded player. And it's not just that typical sort of defensive midfielder. So we've always talked about how... Uh, we wanted a replacement for Mascherano. He has that quality uh, to break up uh, opposition attacks, to win aerial battles, to win tackles, those, those key moments, uh, but also uh, to add to the team in a creative sense. And we've needed that as well, some direction from deep. Uh, he's been really, really important, and I can see him playing more and more of a role as the season goes on. But um, whether he's going to play every every game now until uh, the end of the season, I doubt I think Klopp is still going to rotate. Um, we still have good midfield options, so that's that cool. Um, but I think the midfield that we just saw, Keita, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, that's probably the future. If we were to uh, get to a final at the end of the season and Klopp had to choose a midfield from the players that we have, I think that would be that first choice midfield uh, for a final.
1: It was notable to see sort of the players that didn't start, of course, on Sunday. I think I think. I mean, I do agree with you there that that Gini, Keita and uh, and Fabinho would be the would be the best three that I can imagine there in terms of the the players that we currently have at our disposal, um, especially once they get up and running. Although it did actually prove, of course, that Shakiri came in; he was the one who had the most telling impact on the game. I thought Keita was was good in flashes, but I think you, you can see he's still finding his feet um, entirely in the system and in, in the league. Um, I think I think there's a there's a lot more to come from him based on what on what we know he can do. Um, I guess it sort of ties into that nicely in terms of those players in midfield. I mean, do you think that's also going to then indicate that we're going to be moving more permanently to this 4-2-3-1 that we've seen creep in of late uh, from Klopp? Uh, A move away from the 4-3-2. We've seen the 4-3-3 not completely going, of course, and uh, in some of the bigger games, we're still seeing him employ the 4-3-3, and often we had lots of discussion around that flat three of Milner. Uh, Ginny and henderson that, that didn't seem to be very effective at all, but um we saw it be hugely effective against Napoli when they ra- ran them off the park more or less i guess but um I mean, do you see that you know with Fabinho coming in and cater establishing himself as well that we we will
2: um move more permanently to a four two three one I actually think the the opposite I think uh Cata and Fabinho will actually remedy the problems that we've had in the four three three and I think that what we're going to see is less of that flat four-three-three 3 3 that we saw earlier this season and more so sort a of move to the 4-3-3 of last season with uh, Oxay chamberlain when he played in that advanced role. So you had a, a deep midfielder, a centre midfielder and an advanced midfielder, so it's a staggered three. And I think that is uh, where we're probably heading. Uh, that's just from what I've seen in terms of our transfer targets where Keita's best position is. I think he's probably best as that second midfielder and that's why we went after Fakir uh, we, and why we also went after Keita at the same time, we bought Oxo-Chamberlain as, and we envisioned a midfield three like that. Um, I, I don't think that's the end of the 4 one though. I think that's an option that we're going to use when we want to try and break down uh, those teams outside of the top six. Um, but I think the four-three-three 3 is the preferred big game formation. I think it's best when it comes to transitions, which are obviously crucial when it comes to um, big games, as those are the uh, moments where either we or the opposing team are most open uh so i think that's the the 4-3-3 is going to stick around uh in this staggered form for for the big games uh the 4 2 though i think uh will be the preferred formation when it comes to those games against teams outside the top six or or lower opposition uh yeah that's how i see it you know it does
1: make sense there to just trying to refine the 4-3-3 i guess it even enhance it with those players coming in, getting accustomed to it, um, you know, giving them the four-two-three-one earlier in the season, just to help them get settled a little bit. I think I think Klopp even alluded to that more or less explicitly in terms of Firmino' introduction into the team as well. Um, I mean, one player who we've seen sort of uh, say, struggle with in some games, but also sort of wrestle with this new role that he he, he sometimes has this season. Is Firmino, of course. I mean, not playing as as um, as often as a, I guess, a central striker as we saw last season. Um, playing a bit more withdrawn um, from time to time, um, almost back into the number ten that he was he was um, every now and then in his in his Hoffenheim days. I mean, seeing him contributing a lot more, especially in that United game, I, I thought that was one of his most effective ones we've seen of late. I mean, what have you made of his sort of? Um, I don't want to say transformation, but sort of um, his adaptation
2: to that new role that he's clearly been challenged with this season? I think his struggles have come as a consequence of a really long season uh, in which he went to the World Cup after playing a record amount of minutes. So you think it's purely Uh, fitness then? I would think think it's uh, physical and mental fatigue. I think uh, giving him a period of rest would do him some good, but also... Some players, they don't want the rest. They want to be able to play themselves out of form and get themselves back into form. Um, I think maybe expecting him to do what he did last season is a bit unfair. Uh, I think he had a goal or assist contribution every 98 minutes. And his uh, his career numbers for Liverpool around 134, a goal or assist. And I think at Hoffenheim, it's around 140. And uh, until a few weeks ago, he was going to get a goal assist every 200 minutes. So it's just a, a bad run of form. But should he just return to his normal level? I think that that's perfectly acceptable considering the the, the impact that Salah has and Mane has. And I think uh, him being able to rotate only, only benefits the team. So if he is struggling to produce goals or assists, uh, we can just move Salah up front or we can play Sturridge. That, that's okay. It's not really a big deal. And he's now improving his creative output. So that that's fine now then. If he's no longer playing as a striker, but he's able to engage better with the forwards as he did against Manchester United and as he he has done for the past uh, three, four weeks. I think that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, We no longer need to expect him to be scoring uh, 20 goals or or more uh, because we have other players that can do that. And now he can play a much more free role. uh, And I think he will will thrive in that role, be it as a 10, be it as a false nine. uh, But I think mainly we're going to see a movement towards a 10 or a free role where he just plays behind Salah.
1: Mm, yeah, it will certainly be interesting to see sort of his continued evolution in the side. I think I I think I had put quite a lot of it down to sort of fatigue in general because he has played an awful lot of football and the 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 type of football that he's been playing as well is it, it, it's not like he can do the whole Berbatov role where he's 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 barely involved and then has a few moments of brilliance each game. I mean he's been direct, he's been so intensely involved in everything that Klopp's tried to do since he's come to the club that yeah I think I mean. You'd hope that as the season progresses, he 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 does uh, he does manage to find uh, a higher level of form, as you mentioned there, with those numbers in terms of his underlying sort of performance in general. Um, I mean, one player we saw come back, I guess, um, out of retirement almost, really, and just that's how little we've seen of him so far. I mean, in, in the past year or so, Nathaniel Klein came back in for that United game. Um, I don't think we we would have seen him at all if it wasn't for sort of Milner picking up an injury prior to the game Um, but it comes back in and you know puts in a performance that is more or less I mean mean, despite the fact that it tailed off quite significantly you could see that fitness was an issue towards about 60-ish 70 minutes um, and some of the team did did give him a lot of help there which was which was good to see Um, I thought you saw I mean that that's that's pretty much the 6.5 slash 7 sometimes 6.5 out of 10 performance that we know Nathaniel Klein can put in um, in Premier League games. Yeah, he's always been a reliable defensive right back there. I mean, would you expect him to actually play a part going forward then? Or do you think that, you know, with Milner now back fit, um, that this we, uh, this Friday, rather, you'd expect him to come back in whilst we wait for Trent to regain fitness? Um,
2: I-, I was really surprised that he played. Um, but his performance was was uh, superb considering the conditions that he- he's had over the past two years. Uh, so... I would actually expect him to play against Wolves because going on from Klopp's uh, press conference today uh he was quite he mentioned he was very pleased with Klein and just because of that I just think that um Klein will retain his place even though he did struggle with fitness. Uh and I think this probably spells uh what might might be the future for Klein within this team uh going beyond January because I thought I thought he'd probably be on his way out but considering this performance and Klopp's happiness with him I think uh instead of rotating Trent when he comes back which should be a bit sooner than expected instead of rotating him with Gomez i think uh, Klein will now be the option for rotation which is much better uh, and also i think uh, that will mean that Klein uh, if we progress in the FA cup i think that will be his competition and uh, meaning milner's now free uh, to just uh, rotate with the midfield uh, as as he probably expected at the start of the season uh, so yeah um i think klein uh, will play against Wolves. Uh, just going off what Klopp said, uh, and if he doesn't, he might put the next game uh, depending on uh, Alexander Arnold's fitness. But after that, I reckon uh, Trent will come back in, and then we will see uh, Klein a bit more than we probably expected at the start of the season.
1: Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, I, I was I was very surprised to see him included. But I mean, I, I'm I'm just thinking to myself here. I mean, just the amount of the the lack of football that he's played, maybe playing two games in this sort of quick proximity could be a bit too much. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, really. Just I guess Cybronish would be a better place to sort of answer that question. But then also Milner, I mean, uh, both Klein and Milner, I mean, who, who do you really want to be sort of facing Adama Trurore, I guess, <laughs> in a game like this? Who's you know, at least you, you know what you're going to get. I mean, you might not get the, the, the most guile in the world because I think it end product's always been an issue with Adama Troy but in terms of a physical test um, uh, Milner and Klein I think both of them would probably find that fairly hard but yeah it's, it's going to be interesting to see what we do actually do uh, for Friday evening's game in that in that area of the pitch but I mean I spoke to Alex earlier on about how Wolves had um, you know, picked up good results against some of the top sides in the league so far this season, your draws against some of the top sides and then the, you know, the win over Chelsea of course um, uh, how do you expect Klopp to approach this because he was quite complimentary of Wolves in the, in, in the press conference as he is generally to be honest about most teams really um, in terms of their approach he, he's always very respectful in that uh, in that regard but I mean, Wolves it, it, in my estimation would be yeah, they're a more organised outfit uh, than Manchester United who we played on Sunday I'd expect it to be a, a tighter game than the one we had against Manchester United um, how, how do you expect
2: Klopp to approach it um, I think we may go with the uh, the four two three one. It's usually a, a home formation, but I also expect. Um, I think Klopp spoke about Wolves in a way that he was quite um, complimentary of them, he called them a footballing side, and I think they may have been emboldened by their recent victory against um, against Chelsea. They may feel that they can get something out of the game with their attack, and that usually suits us. If a team comes uh, steps forward, they leave space in behind, and uh, I think. We will try to combat that. And because uh, we might play the 4 one I expect some rotation. Uh, Klein might ret- retain his place, as we said. Um, I think Henderson and Milner will probably come back in. Mane has been subbed off in the last two games. Uh, so either Klopp is concerned about his fitness or he's fresh enough to play. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, so I think Mane will start maybe I, I remember we saw um against burnley sturridge and Aree started as the two so i do expect some considerable rotation for this game uh, but probably not too much maybe shakiri will start i think he's definitely earned that um see so, so yeah, i i see a number of changes um but still retaining uh, a a level of strength it's, it's, yeah i i'm not entirely sh- sure completely uh what we get what we going to set up with because uh Klopp is looking to manage the, the squad, but because we have a lot more rest than uh, than this time last year, I think we can still probably expect to see Salah starting. Uh, yeah, yeah, we typically see quite a lot, of, quite a lot
1: of rotation from Klopp throughout this period. I I, I know we certainly did last time, last time round. I think he, he he learned the hard way from his first sort of sort of festive period in the Premier League. So I, I I'd expect to see quite a few changes as well, whilst whilst also showing respect to Wolves. I mean. On the subject of, of of respect for Wolves, I mean, uh, we talked about Neves and and, and Jota and and, and and Jimenez, of course, who's uh, enjoying a good run of form
2: lately as well. I mean, who would you see as the key threats from uh, from Wolves? Um, I, I would say Jota and, and Jimenez, um, Neves. I think uh, if we can press him, uh, I don't think he, he's been pressed properly before. He's a fantastic pe- player, but usually when a good player is really seized upon by a team by Liverpool, they, they're usually shocked. And he likes uh, a bit of time on the ball so he can control the game, so he can exert himself on the game. And I think if we can press him when he's on the ball or when he's looking to dribble, uh, we can pick up the ball in key areas and then break onto that back three. Uh, usually back, back 3 do don't fare too well against us. Uh, but I think uh, Keita will also probably drop out as well. Uh, just just a, an inkling that uh, he, might, he might want him to be rotated. Uh, but I think that threat will come down uh, from Jimenez and Yurta and then Adama will probably come off the bench. And he he is a mercurial player. He has unbelievable uh, pace. He has unbelievable skills in one-on-one situations. That end product is something that um, yeah is holding him back. Uh, so if he does come on, we'll have to be wary of him. Uh, he does have that propensity to do, to just be able to flash one past you. But um, hopefully that isn't the case, and I think we should manage that well. Uh, Wolves are on a, a hot streak. And uh, I do think they'll attack because uh, even in the, the, the one of those last three games, in uh, games prior to that, they had a good go at Arsenal where they drew 1-1. And I think they had an XG of 1.9. And then uh, against Spurs, they lost, but still had a 3-2, but an XG of 2.4. So they are a team that likes to go at you. And I think that that should benefit us.
1: Alex, earlier in the pod, yeah, he was uh, sort of discussing how um when Wolves go ahead typically they're very very difficult to deal with because they can be so organized but when they go behind I mean he he fears the worst if we score if we score first he I I think there's only two games that he could reel off actually they where he actually remembers them coming back from uh, being behind to actually getting any result out of the game and, and and one of them was that Chelsea game very recently so um it, it does appear as though that would be key and um he also hired as well um neves and mutinho of course uh, another uh, very very technically skilled player um brilliant on the ball but you do wonder at 31 years of age uh, alongside neves as well who isn't you know, not necessarily going to be the most press resistant uh, duo in the world is it that those two that um that could be a very effective tactic for us if we were to sort of particularly focus on those two and try and overwhelm them so i'm um, I'm sure that would be an area where we see that uh, um, being a key battle on the game as well. Um, but you, you do mention sort them coming into it so off the back of three consecutive wins. I guess that will also give them a little bit of a. You know, this is a game where they can you know, they can play with a little bit more freedom because they are you know, they are well positioned at the moment, seventh in the table, um, yeah, performing well this season. I think there's so many so many expectations for them because of all the hype around their sort of arrival in the Premier League. Um, that perhaps they're even sort of sort of fighting against that at the moment as well so I mean Hamza if, if I was to put you on the spot and ask you for a prediction for the game then I mean w-
2: what would you go for for this Friday I would go for a Liverpool win um, but I, I don't say that lightly I think Wolves deserve a lot of respect I think we will show that uh, show that to them accordingly uh, but I would go with a 2-0 two, Liverpool win uh, our defensive record is very strong um, providing we have uh enough creative players on the field i think we'll still manage to score two goals if shakiri plays salah plays i think we'll, we should win uh without too much um uh fuss. yes uh, so two now
1: mm. yeah i think i'll join you on that actually a two new one but i think it'll be a tight one maybe that second goal comes fairly late on um as Wolves we'll push a little bit more to try and get a get back into the game There could be a, quite a lot of space for us there but uh yeah, certainly going to be an interesting one. I, I, I do expect a tougher test than we had actually um, with United on Sunday. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's certainly going to be an interesting game. But anyway, uh, Hamza, thanks so much for sort of providing your thoughts there on Liverpool at the moment. It's a uh, it's a rosy time to be a red, of course, top of the league. Um, it's still still undefeated. Um, pretty nice times, I think. So uh, just before we do wrap the uh, wrap the pod up, I just want to ask if there's anything that you'd like to to plug
2: um tactics weekly i think we're recording it tomorrow uh so yeah that should be out pretty sometime soon um my tactical breakdown of the united match is also on the site and i might be doing on i've got some research i've tried to do some data viz on allison and uh and van dyke so i'll see if i can get that out sometime soon sure no i'd uh,
1: heavily encourage you all to check all that out and uh anyway guys thanks so much for listening to another premier league preview we'll be back again shortly as a the match has come thick and fast. We'll be proving Newcastle shortly. But, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll be, uh, we'll be back again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.